Section twenty two of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section twenty two The Coquette and the Man of the World. Earl wondered much what had happened to change his lady love so completely. Looking back, he found that she had never been quite the same since the day she went to the castle. At first he thought it merely a girlish feeling of discontent, that it would pass away in time as the remembrance of all the luxury and splendour she had seen faded from her. Every morning when he arose he thought, it will come all right to-day, she will put her sweet arms around my neck and bend her beautiful face to mine and tell me she is sorry, oh, so sorry that she has been cold to me. But the days passed on and the golden dream was never verified. The coldness seemed to grow greater and the shadow deeper. Once when she was walking out with Earl, she saw Lord Vivian. He was walking down the high road, and she knew well that he had been at the farm to look for her. Her heart beat when she saw him, as it had never done for the man she had promised to marry. Earl was an ordinary man, this was a lord, and he had been purposely to look for her. He looked so handsome, so distinguished, she turned almost involuntary from him to Earl, and the contrast was not in the poet's favour. Lord Vivian was beautifully dressed in the most faultless, exquisite taste. Earl had not the advantage of a London tailor. As they drew nearer, Earl, quite unconscious that Doris had ever seen the stranger before, made some remark about him. "'He has a handsome face,' said Earl, "'but it's not a face I like. It is not good.' "'Good!' repeated Doris. "'That is like you and Matty, Earl. You think everyone must be good.' "'So they must,' replied Earl. Then they were both silent, for the stranger was just passing by. He looked at Doris, but he did not bow or speak to her. Only from his eyes to hers there passed a strange gleam of intelligence. He did not think it wise to make any sign of recognition before the young escort, who looked at him with such keen questioning eyes. He would only begin to ask half a hundred questions about me, which she would find it difficult to answer, he thought. So he passed on in silence, and for a few minutes Doris was beside herself with vexation. It is all because this tiresome Earl is with me, she thought. If I had been alone, he would have stopped and talked to me. How can I tell what he would have said? Perhaps he would have asked me to marry him. Perhaps he is going away, and he wanted to bid me good-bye. Oh, if I could but see him alone. She looked at Earl, and it seemed to her that in comparison with this other young man, he was so inferior. She felt a sudden sense of impatience that made her unjust to him. Earl thought no more of the stranger who had passed them on the high road. It was nothing very unusual. Strangers passed them continually. But Doris thought of nothing else. She had begun the walk in the best of spirits, but now she hardly spoke. Earl could not imagine what change had passed over the summer sky of his love. She was impatient, complained of being tired, turned to go home. He was growing accustomed to caprices now, and though they pained him, as the unkindness of those we love is certain to pain us, still he bore it patiently. He used to think that as she was young, the quiet home life tired her. It would be all right when he could take her away, where she would be happy and bright. Still, the pain was very keen, so keen that it blanched his face and made his lips tremble. If she could make him so happy, why could he not suffice for her? Doris wanted to be alone and to think over what had happened. Lord Vivian had been there in the hope of seeing her, that was certain. If he had been once, it was just possible that he might come again. She resolved on the morrow to be out alone, no matter what Earl said. Chance favoured her. Earl came over quite early, and remained but a short time. His mother wished him to go over to Quainton, and he would not return until evening. "'So that I shall not see much of you, my beautiful Doris,' he said. She was so relieved to hear it that it made her more than usually kind to him. 
she looked up to him with a sunny smile she held her bright face for him to kiss she was so kind to him that all his fears died away and he rejoiced in the sunshine of his perfect love she was kind to him gentle caressing loving because she was going to deceive him women are so constituted they can veil the greatest cruelty with the pretence of the greatest affection there was no fear in the heart of her young lover while she knew that if the opportunity were given to her she would surely perjure herself earl went away completely happy and when he was gone doris breathed freely she went to the dairy where her mother and sister were busy at work she looked for a minute with great contempt on the cans of rich milk and cream mattie was deeply engaged in the mysteries of curds and whey mother said doris you do not want me well for the matter of that it is not much use wanting you my dear you do not like work indeed i do not it is such a pleasant morning i thought of going through thorpe woods very well though mind doris it is not quite right for you to go out amusing yourself while mattie works so hard but if i stay at home i shall not work so i am better out of the way mrs brace knew it was a false reasoning but what was the use of saying so she had long since ceased arguing with doris do not expect me back very early i may go on to see lottie granger said doris thinking it was wise that no hour should be sent for her return she intended to cross the high road and linger in the hope of seeing him there was no fear of discovery her mother and mattie were settled for the day and earl had gone to quainton her father was away in some distant meadow-land she hoped that she could see her lord for no time could be more favourable for a long conversation she was singing upstairs in her own room i must make myself look nice as i can she thought she inspected her wardrobe but there was nothing in it worth wearing she gave an impatient sigh there was a plain white hat trimmed with blue ribbon there was a black lace shawl and a white muslin dress she hastened down into the garden and gathered a beautiful rose she fastened it into her hat and it was instantly transformed into the most becoming headgear the black lace shawl by a few touches of the skilful fingers became a spanish mantilla and hung in graceful folds over the pretty muslin her toilet was a complete success she had that marvellous gift of transforming everything she touched at school she had been the envy of her companions she had a taste that was once artistic and picturesque and it was nowhere displayed to greater advantage than in her own dress when she looked in the little glass all doubts as to the success of her appearance faded at once there was a dainty flush on her lovely face the beautiful eyes were as bright as stars what matter the fashion of the hat that covered that luxuriant hair she smiled at herself there is not much fear my dear she mused that you will fail in anything you undertake then in the fair june morning she set out to meet her doom she had not gone many steps on the high road when she saw lord vivian coming like a true coquette she feigned unconsciousness and pretended to gather the woodbines from the hedges he smiled at the transparent artifice she did not know how well he had studied the nature of women how perfectly he was acquainted with every little art she muttered a most musical exclamation of surprise when she turned suddenly round and saw him she made what she considered a grand effect by suddenly dropping all her wild flowers as though the surprise had overcome her let them be he said happy roses do die by so fair a hand i am so pleased to see you miss brace what happy fortune sent me on this road she did not play off the same pretty airs on him that had so completely captivated poor earl she did not ask him to call her doris and say how she detested the name brace peers and poets require different treatment my poor roses she said i had been so happy gathering them never mind the roses said lord vivian there are hundreds more i want to talk to you are you going for a walk may i go with you i am going to thorpe wood she replied and if you wish to go with me i am willing she spoke with the proud grace of a young princess for the moment he actually forgot she was but the daughter of a tiller of the soil i thank you he said gravely 
and they turned aside from the high road to the field that led to Thorpe Woods. The day was so lovely that it might have reminded him that life had brighter aims than the wrecking of a woman's soul and the winning of a woman's love, but it did not. The birds sang in the trees, the fair sun shone, the hawthorn covered the hedges, the woodbine scented the air, and they walked on, never even hearing the myriad voices that called them to look from earth to heaven. "'I was so anxious to see you again,' said Lord Vivian. "'I tried to forget you, but I could not.' "'Why should you wish to forget me?' Doris asked coquettishly. "'Some men would flatter you,' he replied, "'and tell you that you are so fair they dreaded to remember you. "'I tell you the honest truth. "'I heard something which made me wish that I had never seen you, "'or that, having seen you, I might forget you.' "'What did you hear?' she asked. "'You can guess. "'I heard that, young and lovely as you are, "'someone has been wise enough and quick enough to win you.' She smiled a slow, cruel, peculiar smile, and when Lord Vivian saw that expression on her face, he felt that his victory was won. "'They tell me,' he continued, "'that this fair beauty, which ought to have the world to do it homage, is to be shut up in the obscurity of a country home, that the fair girl, who might win the hearts of all men, has promised herself to a farmer. Is it true?' Her eyes were raised to his, and in them there was a cold glitter as of steel. "'Supposing that it is true, what then?' she asked. "'then I regret with my whole heart having seen you, "'for I have met you too late.' "'And after that they walked on in silence for some minutes. "'He gave the words full time to do their work. "'He saw that they were full of meaning to her, "'for her face flushed and her eyes drooped. "'He continued in a lighter tone. "'Pray do not think me very impertinent "'if I inquire whether it was your shepherd lover "'with whom I saw you yesterday.' "'She raised her beautiful head proudly. "'Because he was her lover, no one should ridicule Earl.' she might desert him betray him break his heart but no one should utter one word against him not one that was my lover with whom you saw me she said in a cold clear voice you have spoken of him as a farmer he is not that i should not have fallen in love with the farmer he is a poet and a gentleman he looks like it said my lord seeing that he was altogether on the wrong track therefore i say how deeply i regret that i have met you too late you cannot surely miss brace be angry with me for saying that "'I am not angry at all,' said Doris, and the beautiful eyes were raised frankly to his. "'How can I be angry?' she continued, "'when you pay me the greatest compliments in your power.'" End of section 22